Hi, my name is Jim Reddick. I have the privilege of serving as Norfolk's Director of Emergency Preparedness and Response. As you know, recurrent flooding and sea level rise are high probability, high impact hazards our community faces. So as we take steps to address that challenge, we had the opportunity to recently present to the Governor's Secure Commonwealth Panel in Richmond back on May 6th, where we presented on a recent study and recommendations for moving forward. While the original presentation was not taped, we wanted to do it again so you had the opportunity to see that which was presented. So with that, skipping the greetings, the introductions and formalities, we'll go right into the body of the presentation. Here we go. Prior to the legislative session of 2011-2012, the City of Norfolk advocated, the Assembly and Senate passed, and the Governor signed House Joint Resolution 50 and Senate Joint Resolution 76-2012. This resolution was commissioned by the Virginia Institute of Marine Science to study the implications of and evaluate strategies to mitigate recurrent coastal flooding, which has become increasingly severe, both as a nuisance and as a threat to coastal communities in Tidewater, Virginia. The VIM study was intended to review strategies to counter recurrent flooding, to convene stakeholders to discuss this issue, and document the significance of the threat to coastal Virginia. It is important for us to recognize and appreciate that while coastal Virginia includes one-fifth of Virginia, it is home to one-third of our population and is the source of more than half of our gross domestic product. In addition, it is the location of a number of crucial national security assets, such as Naval Station Norfolk and Langley Air Force Base. Much of Tidewater's GDP is derived from its physical characteristics. Specifically, it is a low-lying physiography and protected waterfront that is the source of the Commonwealth's most robust economic engine. Most of the national assets in the Tidewater area are located here because of those physical characteristics. These national assets historically have been the source of about half of the GDP of Hampton Roads. So today, those same conditions which have produced these economic strengths also now present our most significant future challenges. The VIM study was published this past January. While the study was conducted by VIMS, it was included in it included input from other academic and regional institutions have shown. The study also included extensive review from divergent experts from all sectors. It is the recommendations of the expert panel that we wish to summarize and move for consideration. The VIM study confirmed the severity and implications of the increasing threat of recurrent coastal flooding, illustrated that there are feasible strategies to reduce the future threat, suggested that the time horizon required to plan and implement such strategies is measured in decades, and noted that our state government currently has no mechanism to coalesce and archive information to proactively address this challenge. The Commonwealth's expert panel observed that local governments have neither the technical resources to define and address the challenge, nor the framework to respond and plan for the challenge. Most importantly, it is not feasible for the locality to implement effective solutions. We in Norfolk, who arguably are one of the most threatened areas and the locality that has moved forward the farthest to understand the challenge certainly agree with those opinions. Most importantly, the VIM study concluded that the state must take a strong leadership role to protect the citizens and economy of this region. To understand the challenge, we must first appreciate the realities of living in the Tidewater region. When it rains, Water flows more slowly across a flat surface than it does down a mountain. Also, old infrastructure, such as storm drains, may be overloaded by runoff they were not designed to convey, and as they age, they become less efficient. 
When the tailwater rises, due to either storm surge or as sea level rises, it further slows the transportation of runoff and worsens flooding. The implication is that without investment, the extent, depth, and duration of flooding will increase. As sea level continues to rise, it will worsen an already bad situation. Since the rate of sea level rise is anticipated to increase, recurrent flooding will become increasingly more significant and the associated consequences even greater. The reasons for sea level rise are irrelevant. As documented by VIMS, the local communities in Tidewater are living with and trying to manage the very real consequences. Sea level rise was included in the 2010 update of Virginia's Hazard Identification Risk Assessment Plan, which as an emergency manager sets the course of our planning efforts, focusing limited resources on the highest probability, highest impact scenarios. The concern also affects military readiness. Last November, the American Security Project listed Norfolk Naval Station as one of the U.S.'s five international military assets whose mission might be most affected by sea level rise. It has been slowly occurring for decades. The Sewell's Point tide gauge has documented more than a foot of sea level rise since 1927, and that's worth repeating. That's more than a foot of sea level rise since 1927. The VIM study considers a variety of possibilities regarding future sea level rise. Even if the rate of sea level rise does not increase, the historical trends indicate we should expect an additional one foot of sea level rise within 50 years. As we shall see, subsequently, even a minimum one foot rise in the next 50 years significantly increases the risks and consequences of recurrent flooding. Low, high, and highest rates are used in the VIM study. Six feet of sea level rise by the end of the century and one and a half to three plus foot rise within the next 50 years. Flooding is not a new challenge in Hampton Roads. We at the city of Norfolk have been working to understand and plan for the future for a number of years. In 2008, we began a series of studies with the recognition that recurrent flooding was already increasingly affecting our citizens and businesses and with the objective to better understand and appreciate the current and future risks. We've been working systematically for over five years to measure, predict, evaluate options, and develop plans for the future, and have made significant progress relative to our goals to plan, prepare, mitigate, and communicate with our community. It is important to recognize that our more detailed evaluations in our locality are 100% consistent with the results of the more general VIM study for the larger area. Our local studies both complement and reinforce the VIM's conclusions. The more than $1 million that we have invested has led us to conclude some sobering realities relative to our future and our ability to fund efforts to mitigate those increasing risks. Simply stated, help from the state is necessary ingredient for success. The results of our city studies confirm the challenge of the current situation, emphasize that the future conditions will worsen, and show that our challenges are going to become more daunting. As the city's emergency manager, I am particularly concerned with the implications that emergency responders will face increasing access challenges. We must recognize that access to emergency facilities and for responders to access our citizens and facilities will become increasingly difficult. Another implication is that severe flooding will dramatically decrease our ability to evaluate, I'm sorry, evacuate our flood-prone community and in some cases, compromise it completely. Bear with me through these next slides. They're a bit technical, but they're important to make a, make a important point. If we look at the annual probability of a storm surge water elevation at sea level rises, compared to the probability of the same water level elevation today, 
we see that the relationship is not linear, it's geometric. In other words, a one-foot rise in sea level will nearly triple the probability of a specific storm surge elevation. A two-foot sea level rise will increase the probability by eight to nine times. Thus, the tide level for today's 100-year storm event will occur during a 10-year storm event. Sometime in the later part of the century, today's 50-year storm will become a five-year storm. A 10-year storm will be an annual event. This includes no consideration that the severity or frequency of storms may increase the future, as some predict. In layman's terms, and as Vims noted, the challenge is increasingly frequent, storm-driven waters. Now let's look at the timing and height of the highest 15 historical storm event tides measured since 1927 at Sewell's Point. Symbolically, we show the measured storm surge height as a light symbol, and the elevation storm surge would be today. Remember, sea level rise has risen over a foot since 1927 as a darker symbol. Of the 15 highest tidal events, one-third occurred since 2000, and half of the highest six storm tides have occurred in the past 10 years. The current average frequency of three different storm surge elevations are as shown. This implies that a storm surge elevation above what occurred during Hurricanes Isabel and Irene and the 2009 Nor'easter will, on average, occur each decade. But after one foot of additional sea level rise, which may occur over the next 20 to 50 years, the frequency triples. This implies a storm surge elevation and the associated damages comparable to those created by Isabel, Irene, and Norida will on average be exceeded every three to four years. We must begin to prepare to address this risk and its consequences, choosing not to prepare to surrender the economic advantages that reside in the Tidewater region. Not only will large storm surge occur more frequently, nuisance flooding due to astronomical tides and minor storms are becoming even more severe. The number of hours that the Hague and Norfolk floods the adjacent streets, as documented by Dr. Larry Atkinson of Old Dominion University, clearly illustrates that trend. What does that look like? This, this picture was taken merely weeks ago. The conclusion is that living with water is becoming an increasingly common reality of daily life and a more severe consequence of life in the Tidewater region. Awareness of these challenges was elevated this past October as the whole world watched while Hurricane Sandy moved northward offshore. Was anyone not amazed by the accuracy of the predictions of how high pressure ridge off New England would steer Sandy inland over New Jersey? The devastation and loss after Sandy moved ashore was profound. Who will forget the iconic photos of the loss of power in lower Manhattan or the immediate aftermaths of the storm? Equally important, but perhaps less recognized, are the long-term aftermaths measured in days, weeks, and months. And as we pass the six-month anniversary, we recognize that some of the effects will continue for years. Incidentally, that's one of the exercises we will have in July. Our city manager exercise will focus on as if Hurricane Sandy hit us just as it did New York, New Jersey, and all the long-term effects that come with it. Sandy was large and powerful. But many hurricanes moved northward across the offshore mid-Atlantic each decade. Yes, Sandy was unusual, but not unique, and some believe Sandy may be a forecast for the future. Ask anyone in metropolitan New York or on the New Jersey coast or in the state governments of New York, New Jersey, and they will agree Sandy was an eye-opener. But what if the high-pressure ridge had been 50, 100, 200 miles farther to the south? or was larger and its effects extended 200 miles further. The fact that we experienced the flooding that we did during Hurricane Sandy and we were at the very tip of the storm indicates that it could have been a lot worse event for us. 
Small differences in conditions along the East Coast could have profoundly changed where Sandy, Sandy made landfall. We must recognize that it could have been us. And when we use 1933 as our storm of record, with the eight to nine foot storm surge, and the fact that the folks up in New York, New Jersey experienced 13 to 15 foot storm surge shows that our, our locality is truly vulnerable. In 2008, the Virginia Department of Emergency Management evaluated and mapped the expected inundation that different categories of hurricanes could cause in coastal Virginia. Not surprisingly, these results show a significant increase in area inundated as the hurricane strength increases. For example, in the south side Hampton Roads, the area inundated by a Cat 3 storm is more than two times that of a Cat 2 storm. Of course, the specific area inundated will depend on many factors, but nevertheless, the enormity of the risk and the consequences for being unprepared are obvious. So what are the implications of the VIM study? The risks are increasing, and they will continue to increase. Unless we act, the consequences will become increasingly worse and more costly. The lessons from Hurricane Sandy are being taught. Efforts to move forward and to funding recovery and building are happening in New York and New Jersey. Although there are multiple silos of excellence surrounding the issue within our Commonwealth, the state's ability to act is complicated and hindered by no one entity, agency, or department bringing it all together and owning the challenge. So why should the state act? First, water does not recognize local political boundaries. Second, and most importantly, is the need to preserve the economic assets that fuel so much of the state's economy. Action is required to integrate and synchronize a triangular level of effort consisting of various sectors and levels of government. All must be engaged to adequately and effectively address the challenges facing coastal Virginia. The Commonwealth is the only entity capable of bringing together such a unified interagency, interdepartment forum that is essential to effectively plan and respond to the predicted increasing threats of con and consequences of recurrent flooding. And to use the incident command system parlance, there is no incident commander in charge of this hazard. Uh, in terms of its response or otherwise facilitating a unified response to this hazard. Moreover, the state's voice must be engaged to advocate at the federal level. The federal government is looking for state involvement in creative solutions and enhanced partnerships. An absence of an effective state voice surrenders the potential for federal involvement and funds. The state can increase economies and synergies that are beyond that which any locality can create. Macro solutions that are beyond the reach of an individual locality are a necessary element to countering the threat. This is an analogous to our finding in Norfolk that evaluating, or I'm sorry, elevating a road can protect multiple properties at much lower cost than raising many individual structures, or perhaps a tidal barrier can also be used to create a new transportation artery. Our locality has done all it can do in the short term. Now we and the region need state leadership. We respectfully request the Secure Commonwealth panel to take the lead of the recurrent flooding challenge and act by appointing a task force to provide recommendations to the panel for the purpose of forming a permanent multi-expert flooding task force comprised of institutions, private industry, and local and state and federal representation. There will be difficult choices to make, a learned method and framework to vet options and make this choice that makes the choices as paramount. In summary, the importance of coastal Virginia and the Commonwealth and the nation is profound. Many individuals much smarter than I have collected the data and the sciences to put this study together. And even our friends in the Department of Defense are retrofitting their, their peers, raising them up to, to take into account sea level rise. The risks are significant, 
The probability of damaging storms is increasing, and the consequences of such storms in terms of economic loss and threats to our citizens are growing. To delay will be even more detrimental. The time is act is, is now, and if not when, if not now, when, and if not us, then by whom? Thank you for your time and consideration. Now, I can tell you this presentation was well received by the panel, and the recommendations were accepted. A subpanel was formed, on which Norfolk has a leading role. So I want to thank you for your time and interest in this topic. Together, we'll work together to keep Norfolk safe. Thank you. <laughs>